Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Hi, I'm Aisla, and welcome to Business is Unusual. I'm here today with Anastasia Greenmore of Reclaiming Us. Uh, so hi, Anastasia. Welcome to the show. Hi, Aisla. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to, to have a chance to talk a little bit about what you're up to because it's such a great service that you're offering. Um, but to, before we start that, what what let's give people a chance to get to know you a little bit. What hobby of yours do you think would most surprise folks that you know? Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I, my husband and I just started playing um, Dungeons and Dragons D&D. And like, we have a local group of friends here in Tacoma, Washington. And one of them was like, yeah, I'm I'm, get, I'm kind of like learning about this and I'm into it. You know, what do you think? And honestly, all that I knew about it was what I saw in like Stranger Things season one. But I was like, once I kind of started to look into it, I was like, this seems like a lot of fun. Like we like board games. We had never done like a tabletop uh, role-playing game or anything, but we have now this small group of friends and we get together every two weeks or so and play. And like, it was developing our characters was like, one of the most hilarious and fun things it just brings out like creative energy in a whole other way so I think that would be pretty surprising <laughs> to most people that know me well <laughs> mm -hmm. that's awesome I actually am a huge D&D &D fan I used to play with my kids when they were little so it's like oh, a I great way yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's a great way to um imagine yourself in a different way you know or to yeah, exactly. give you space to try on different ways of being so that's awesome I'm glad you guys are joining the geek squad <laughs> exactly and I have to say I'm a I went with a dragonborn character so I'm like not even I'm not human and it, yeah it is just this this interesting way of like testing like these ideals that come with picking this character and how does that match what you believe in your life or does it is it is it a way to like act out someone you would never actually be so um mm -hmm. it's really cool yeah seven foot dragon person dragon humanoid character nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've played a dragon board <laughs> I, I my idea my uh, dungeon master the person running sort of the, the yeah. story um I speak German and so I, I tried to make it, we were doing something where we had to speak dragon and I did some kind of weird click thing with my <laughs> mouth and he was like, don't ever do that again. So then I just started speaking German. So in our game, dragon draconic is German. <laughs> That's just what we've decided. They're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I've tried on a few accents for my character, but everybody's, yeah, no one's really into my accents. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so now, yeah, for now, Nizara is just gotta, gotta yeah. That's a know, fantastic. American accent. Oh, thank yeah. you. Well, I hope you have lots of fun with that. Um, and I'm sure that will be anyone that follows me is gen generally going to have some awareness of geekiness. So. <laughs> um, so what about Reclaiming Us? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, we'll get into more details, but you know, you've started this organization yeah. and what's, what's up? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's exciting. Um, I 
have started a business reclaiming us and really um that is it's like my new baby honestly because it's only been uh since october that we've Mm -hmm. been in business and i i guess i will say the seeds of that idea have been there for a long time if i look back but um we are a equity and inclusion consulting services firm but i really believe that one of the places that organizations and companies um, need to invest in this work is through supporting their DEI practitioners, DEI staff. That's that's where I come from. That's my connection to this work. Um, so that is where we really focus. And um, it's, it's, it's where my heart is truly in supporting healing for the folks in that profession, supporting professional development, at being an additional resource. Um, yeah, and we approach this work with blended themes like mindfulness, um, emotional recognition and and regulation. And then we start talking about, um, you know, things like anti-racism and how to recognize and mitigate your own bias, you know, when we're working with companies. And, and we really want to work with companies who are serious about supporting the people in often like unwinnable jobs. So yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit about the business. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. No, and uh, I I think it's such a an important uh awareness that you're bringing to the work is that the the people who do it often are put in a position where they are sort of doing work like three people and rarely get a lot of real so sub, like substantive support. Like they'll get a lot of sort of like, that's so great. You're doing it. Uh, <laughs> but not necessarily the, the actual structural authority or support. And additionally, the emotional like regeneration that's required to both do the work and then do so much of it on your own. So I think that's a, yeah. And I haven't heard of other people specifically focusing on that aspect of the work, you know, making it so that the people doing it have more energy and, and, and generative processes. So yeah. um, I'm curious to see, well, well, I guess we get into that more, but like in terms of receptiveness, uh, so far, have you seen folks that are understanding what you're talking about? I mean, I'm assuming other practitioners do, but do the companies get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah so you know primarily um when i started this work because i had most recently been in the tech industry that's where i saw the biggest need but it's been really interesting as i'm talking with nonprofit advocacy organizations as i'm talking with other uh, companies and other industries they too do see the importance of this and i think when there's alignment there's alignment right like not everyone is going to want to invest in this way um and and that's okay but i because i don't think um i think if companies aren't ready to make that type of investment then they're not ready to work with me you know yeah uh so yeah i I think people are receptive i do think you know there's work to do to kind of have this conversation in a bigger way so that people get it Mm -hmm. but i think something you said i just it's it's just so true often folks in this job who are often already in a a historically marginalized identity or maybe multiple of those um are expected to carry the work of what should be a full-on organizational-wide strategy 
they're expected to do multiple jobs, often with limited resources, often with no path or mentorship or sponsorship above. And so it's it's unlike any other position in an organization. And and because it's like often no one else internally or a limited amount of people are doing it inter uh, with you, alongside you, there tends to not be a lot of helpful, constructive feedback that can help people um, develop in the ways which they want or, or get any sort of course correction on if they're um, achieving, you know, this massive job that they're set out to do. So, you know, not only I, I want to support practitioners directly and through working with them, but I also um, have an offering where I work with leadership teams to help co-design a program that really takes into account the full scope, the mission of the organization, the business, whatever type of organization it is. Um, this cannot only be on if they if there is a DEI practitioner, this can only be on them. Mm -hmm. And if there's not, that's you know, that's where I'm working with leadership teams and, and diversity councils and things like that. So it's been pretty energizing. Yeah. I mean, my own experience is that if it's not embedded across different, uh, you know, teams in the, in the company, then it can, it could get stalled out or, you know, sort of disrupted. And the, I think the other piece, and I see this a lot in, in the terms of companies will lose, they'll lose track of the long term. It's sort of penny wise, yes. pound foolish where they, they get, they, you know, for whatever reason, they get the sense this is important to invest in, but that it's, they don't really comprehend the, the, yeah. the benefit to their bottom line. Right. Like, and I know that that sounds cool, but I mean, that's really when you're dealing with a company, that's what they care about is the benefit to their bottom line. And it's, it's a convenience that it's both humane, correct, and ultimately benefits the bottom line because it reduces turnover, it increases innovation and efficiency. Like there's so many right. of those practical right. businessy, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. results. Yeah. But because they're not immediate, I sold a widget and I made 50% profit or whatever. There's that like education piece. So how do you, do you have yeah. a process by which you educate folks on that or how does that show up? Does it? Is yeah. that a bad question? I don't know. <laughs> No, 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 it's not a bad question. It's it's a question I need to think a little bit about, you know, because I've seen that pitfall so many times in different organizations where it's like, we start to look at these, I'm going to call them small wins for lack of a better word, and we lose sight of the bigger picture. Like, and, and the reason I talk about this work with like equity first is because the big picture in creating a new system designing a new system that truly works for the people you're trying to attract to for the people you're trying to retain is the goal so yes I do have a process that I think works you know time will tell I think this is long-term work but it is it's not um I will I won't say what it's not I'll say what it is so it is sitting down with I, I need to sit down with leaders of all levels right and there has to be a, a co-design there, right? Like what is important for your business? What does it look like to um, have a transformation? We're not trying to put a Band-Aid on the old system that left so many out. What does it look like to 
create a new system. Like, let's think outside the box here. Like, a lot, because I came from tech, you know, these companies are innovating on things left and right, and then are trying to apply checkbox tactics to something like equity, mm-hmm. and that's just not going to work. So, so really having a process through which we can look look way beyond, um, you know what like hiring percentages or whatever that might be and talk about you know what is the what does a system look like that actually includes the folks that you are trying to and i don't think that's the conversation that's not the conversation the level of conversation or investment i've seen a lot of times there's this massive disconnect there's like okay we hired this person and go and then the leadership team might be having buy-in or engagement but they really haven't gone through a process themselves to like you said embed this throughout the business strategy or the organizational mission strategy and are often not asking the the bigger questions there so um the very long way of answering your question and saying like yes yes i do have a process <laughs> well and I, it's a it's a complex question i i think that yeah the one of the things that I've seen in my own experience of being more along that like equity business development side of things is that oftentimes when we approach stuff, we talk about doing the right thing or how it feels or the the culture, all of things, which I obviously very much care about, but I've recognized that, you know, for a lot of businesses, really it's that bottom line. Right. And so the reality is these things are also very bottom line beneficial. And so yeah. like, I think that's, you know, communicating that sometimes I feel like it ends up, you know, the folks that are most passionate that I've worked with are like, well, we don't, you know, we don't want to sully it with money. I'm like, yeah, but you're talking to a business. You kind of have to, (laughs) like, that's the, (laughs) they have to understand that part too, or they're going to see it as optional because they don't ultimately understand how it it works. Right. And so, um, I, and I think it's great because I know you've come back. So I'll 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 start this. The, this is a good place to say talk about like you know what what inspired you to do this work and start this company. Like I know you come from a a corporate background. Yeah. So you have like a awareness of that disconnect between the the ways in which it gets considered optional and it's not right. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's you know it's interesting because I come from a corporate background most recently, but I really started my career in nonprofit in advocacy in the environmental. Uh, space. And um, the reason, you know, there are, you know, we're complex individuals, so you can't say there was one reason, but the reason that was most um, real for me in the moment when I walked away from that is that I was being tokenized over and over again and expected to work on DEI work when I, I'm a communication backup. I'm a communication strategist by trade, like PR, <laughs> media relations, um, event, everything. I've kind of had my hands in all sorts of communications work. And really quickly when I was um, you know, first getting started in my career, especially in the environmental work in DC, I was just seeing this huge disconnect between, you know, the way we were talking about this work, um, and who we said we wanted to reach. And I was at the same time internally looking around and saying like, you know, this is really important to me. I know a lot of other black folks who love the outdoors, like none of us are here in this organization. It's it's overwhelmingly white. So 
you know, over the course of my time there, it is, this is why I call this a calling because I like both was pulled and, and pushed, you know, to, towards this work. Um, but over the, over the time, I just started to see this pattern where, you know, okay, we put a black woman on the cover of this report. This is enough. We've done it. Or like these big missteps that had a real impact on my life. And so, you know, I stepped away um, and was like, all right, I'm just going to do communications work. And I went and worked for an agency. Um, and then that ended up taking me into the tech world. And I say like these seeds were planted a long time ago um, because the, the type of impact that I wanted to have, I just didn't see it at the time, but it, it wasn't truly possible by being in-house and, and in one uh, organization. So, you know, I worked <clears throat> on communications eventually until it was like this program, this DEI program that folks wanted to start didn't have anyone to lead the work. And, you know, we were saying, oh yeah, this is what we want to do, but didn't have, you know, a business level strategy around it. And so, you know, I took that on and I did that for a few years and I really put everything into it. And it was rewarding in a lot of ways because I got to work with some amazing partners. I got to really be creative about how we, um, you know, approached equity work. And then at the same time, I was that person who was looking around for peers, who was looking to collectively approach something that's not a one organization or one business problem. I was looking around and saying like, you know, where are the, where's the support for me? Because I'm struggling. Like I don't, when I have had a tough day or when I want to run something by someone, like I have no one mm -hmm. internally or, or otherwise really, you know, I have friends, but they don't necessarily do the same work I do. So, so when I took a step away, um, I wasn't, I didn't know yet that I was going to start a business. Like mm -hmm. I was just like, I am burnt out. I am tired. I'm exhausted. I have given all I could to this and like after some time you know of just like really meditating on what I would do next like no I started to look at these job descriptions and nothing was satisfying me because it just felt limited in what I could potentially do internally so the idea really for reclaiming us came from starting this peer-to-peer -peer learning network of four DEI practitioners that would first support healing because I think there's a lot of healing to do the the environments some environments not all some environments that they're working in can be very toxic and not only are they expected to you know fix it they're also experiencing it and so how can I be a source of support for folks in that position but so healing first and really then in some support and professional development and and I've I came up with a framework you know um that I think you know can really help help folks um make progress where they're maybe meeting barriers internally so that's the that's why I did that that's my why you know I, mm -hmm. I just saw such a need to support the people who are doing the work, someone to have their back. Mm -hmm. And um, 
yeah, that's kind of what drives me every day. That's what energizes me, figuring out how to do that. Well, and I think it's very needed. Um, and so it, it, you sort of covered this, but it, it like the impact that you seek to have. Yeah. Is there a, I mean, you've said it in a bunch of different ways. But I don't know if there's like a specific um, mm. impact that you can think of. It is this idea really that there has to be a better way to do business. Um, there has to be a way of both making money and not like running people through the ringer, mm -hmm. whether that's you know anyone in your employee population or folks of like different historical mar historically marginalized backgrounds because like they are experiencing additional stress in the workplace. There is no doubting that. So I believe in a future where business can be done in a way that benefits people. Like, and it can be done in a way where we don't have to talk about a pipeline issue. You know what I mean? Like, so there's that. And it. I think the goal really is to restructure the industry of what DEI uh, offices or chief DEI positions looks like. Um, mm -hmm. That's the impact I want to have. I want to be having a different conversation. I mean, it's about time, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I, it's sort of like, really? Like, I understand the the folks that have been doing this work since the 80s, you know, and they're like, really, seriously? Yeah. And it's, you know, the systems are built to protect themselves. So, we had a, you know, I like that what you're saying, we need to not put a Band-Aid on the problem, but actually move away from the harm yeah. and, and create like a, a less harmful way of doing this. Um, so when you're successful, because you're going to be, uh, what's going to be, what's going to be different in the world? How, how are, how, what do you, what do we, what's the future of business it, when Reclaiming Us has disrupted and transformed everything? Ooh. Um, I think about this a lot. I think about my daughter, I'm a mother, um, and I think about her not having to even be aware of anything such as a glass ceiling or anything such as like diversity metrics, because like that is, I just feel like that is a conversation we just have to move beyond and do <laughs> we have to do the thing and so you know the future i hope is one where my daughter sees leaders that look like her all across the all across leadership like all across the boardroom all across n literal boards nonprofit and otherwise all across leadership of our countries and that is just like it's nothing you know it's like i want it to be so common that it is it doesn't even like because when i see you know i'm so i guess i'm still of the generation that like i mean i don't i barely go into a workplace anymore but i remember you know when i was working in an office i would walk in you know look around and if i saw another black person i'd be like okay oh, hey, you know mm -hmm. like do the, because we were like it's you would think that we just did not exist mm -hmm. the way these offices are the way these workplaces are and that's rough that is rough <laughs> so 
you know, I, I want a future where my daughter feels like that is not even, I guess I want a future where I don't have to do this work anymore. Mm-hmm. You want to work yourself out of a job. I like it. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because wouldn't it be great if we could spend our innovation on something other than stop harming people? I don't know. Yeah. Like humans have inherent dignity and like, there you go. <laughs> like, there you go. I like, yeah, no, it's beautiful. I can't, like, kids inspire that um, kind of commitment. It's like, oh, I, I want to try and give you something a little better, a little bit better launching pad as much as I can. Yeah, 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 I really do. <laughs> What's the best advice that you have? <sighs> I think a lot a lot in this world would be better if we all looked at our relationship with self-compassion. I'm a really big fan of Kristen Neff, the researcher. Um, She's put out this inventory that anyone could do. I think it's on selfcompassion.org. And I say that because the ways in which we, I think internalized oppression has a massive impact, right? Like we start to believe these ideas about our worthiness because we've been absorbing them. And I don't, you know, I don't care what your identity is. If you live in this society today, you have absorbed mm-hmm. some messages that you are not enough. And I believe that that be- belief in that makes us treat people like crap. And so the, the advice, I guess the advice or, that I would give is to practice your own self-compassion because I think if our relationship to ourselves is a little bit kinder we would find it a lot harder to be so disgusting to other people yeah I think that's that's really true (laughs) it's hard though right I get a a friend of mine does a lot of like uh work with professional women around um that sort of finding ways to center themselves regardless of their environment because of how difficult it can be in those systems. Um, And it's one of the things that uh, I see with that, like some people say, oh, self-help. And I'm like, the reason we need all of this support coaches, self-help effort is because all the message that messages that just automatically come to us (laughs) are usually about telling us we're lacking something because someone wants to sell us something. And so, I mean, that's not the only ones, but that's a lot of like what we, you know, deal with with advertising, right? Like you're incomplete because you do not have this specific thing. And, um, and so we have to seek out things that counter those con that constant barrage or, or we can, I mean, I think we do absorb it. Like you said, I'm excited to check this link out, but. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's really true, right? Like that you got to. You have to constantly counter that. And that's a lot of what you're talking about too. Like the the practitioners, I think in those businesses, they're sort of entrepreneurs in a corporate environment, starting a business that no one else is really seeming to get on board with. Like that's a very difficult course. And the messaging that they're getting (laughs) is going to be super, you know, at at the very least neutral, right? And so they have to have a place where they get the kind of messaging that you're going to offer. That's like, here's how to, embedded or here's how to show the you know the structure and framework that's successful um and 
You feel overwhelmed, not because you're not good enough, but because you're doing three jobs as a startup in a corporate environment. Mm. Yeah. And I think about, honestly, you saying that makes me think about, you know, towards me making the decision that I had to, like, that I could no longer do the job I was doing. It was because I was internalizing so much of the resistance I was receiving in, ter- in, in, in my, inside my organization as, well, obviously I failed. I have failed something here because this isn't working in the ways that I want it to work. And, you know, part of what I did when I took my break, took my pause was a lot of work around self-healing and absorbing a lot. So, so you're to your point that is something that I want to bring to other DEI practitioners because like my anger level was so high I was so angry and in this like face of right self-righteousness and those were not that doesn't live that doesn't help me live into my intentions being in a space where I feel like I'm right and everyone else is wrong and like being in a space where I'm angry and like it just it was it was a rough place to be in and and you know I think we talk about burnout a lot but like what that actually looks like in practice yeah Mm -hmm. it's not good but in setting people up for burnout like I mean there's no there's no one else there there's very few people in our company that especially a bigger company that have to do as much with as little authority and resources. And I'm generalizing, but just my observation of how I've seen DEI show up. It's, you know, you might have the same title, but you don't often have the same resources, authority, support, and even like structural minimal engagement. And so of course, like you look at someone at your level and you're like, wow, they're doing great. And your first thought is, well, why am I, you know, must be me because you're not going to like think, well, I'm maybe being you know intentionally or unintentionally will maybe sabotaged exactly not to be negative but but just to be honest (laughs) it's it's very true structures and systems are they have the outcomes they were designed to have and so adding someone who's supposed to like undo all of that with very little with very few resources and support is that's that's message a recipe for failure Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do to keep yourself inspired when it gets hard to believe in the the dream of your work or how do you recharge yourself because uh, I'm sure you have to yeah. uh, I have a wonderful group of friends and a really amazing life partner and a daughter and family who give me so much energy um and you know when it's been a because in entrepreneurship there are some really rough days <laughs> rough weeks rough months whatever um this is hard journey this is a really hard journey i just want to say that like to bring this idea to life to have other people believe in it and want to pay me for it like that's rough <laughs> especially when you know, we're simultaneously receiving messages that people like me are not entrepreneurs and maybe, you know, I'm up against those things. So anyway, I, I go outside. I, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I live in Tacoma, Washington, and it it can be really hard to want to step outside because it's rainy and dark right now, this time of year. 
but I'm, you know, I've been trying to get into no matter whether and go outside anyway. I recharge by connecting back with myself. I do I do a lot of art. Um, right now I'm very into pottery and sculpting ceramics. I play mm-hmm. D&D with my friends. I get together, I laugh, I eat, you know, like I try to have a really good relationship with myself though and recognize like, oof, when is my energy low? When am I trying to pour from an empty cup? Because when I get like that, I can't it's bad. <laughs> like I can't, mm-hmm. I just can't, you know, and I'm, and I'm just running on stress and I could feel that in my body. So I try to be, um, I try to check in with my body really often. And, you know, if there's nothing else I can do in a moment, I always come back to my breath for energy because I believe that's like a really powerful resource that we all have access to. Um, I should say that, you know, most of us have access to. So, Yeah. Those are all great tips. I, I that's a, and I, I think sometimes it's, it's like, it's, you know, earlier that it's easy to forget. That's why I love your idea of the cohort, the leadership cohorts and supporting folks, because uh, especially when you're in an entrepreneurial situation, whether it's in a company or on your own, having folks that you can call Because you just can't sometimes you get in your head and everything feels important, right? Like you don't know how to pick which thing is first. We all need that kind of like external sounding board sometimes because, yeah, there was just so much isolation, I think, in my roles. So not, and then that's compounded by the fact that not having people around who I don't have to like code switch with and stuff like that. So it's compounded when you're, you know, in a, like a, a small group, so, mm-hmm. or a group of none, <laughs> group of zero. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> like a, a small group of just me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, it makes sense. Uh, so, um, so folks are listening, either, you know, this podcast somewhere, Apple, you know, all over the place. And they're just like, man, I need this. I need to be part of this cohort. I need to know more about how to introduce Anastasia to my HR rep so that they can come in and train. How do they find you? What do they do? Yes, come find me. So you can find Reclaiming Us at www.reclaimingus.co. That's .co, not com. Um, and LinkedIn. That tends to be my social network of choice at Anastasia Greenmore. And you could follow Reclaiming Us to find out what we're up to there um, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I have an so Instagram good. and once Do I figure use out it? how to use it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I am Reclaiming Us Co. At, on Instagram, at Reclaiming Us Co. <laughs> so if you, if you uh, love supporting mission-driven work and you want to help me do social media, holler at me. So <laughs> reach out. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to uh, hearing the throngs of people that have emailed you once they've listened to the show. And I actually am really excited to hear what you're up to because I think it's going to be uh, a fun and uh, exciting journey. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thank you for, um, you know, the work you're doing to, to platform folks doing good in this world. <laughs>